Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So while we are winning the ideological battle, I have concluded that this battle for the Democratic nomination will not be successful. But as I see the crisis gripping the nation, I cannot in good conscience continue to mount a campaign that cannot win and which would interfere with the important work required of all of us in this difficult hour. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is The Daily D.C. Just one day after a highly unusual Wisconsin primary taking place during this coronavirus pandemic, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders calls it quits in the 2020 presidential campaign. Kinda, sorta. He is suspending his campaign, and that completely frees up the way for Joe Biden to be the presumptive Democratic nominee, the candidate through a very crowded field to be the one to take on Donald Trump in November. I could not have two better people to talk about this moment in American politics than the two people covering these candidates for us constantly over the course of the last year. Ryan Nobles, who has been covering the Bernie Sanders campaign for us, and Arlette Sines, who is on the Biden campaign for us. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, David. We appreciate it. Ryan, let me just start with you. Sanders suspends his campaign. He calls Biden a decent man, but there wasn't really much more else about Joe Biden or looking forward to exactly what his combined effort with Biden will be like. It it seemed to me, and I would love to hear what your reporting is on this, it seemed to me this was um, after weeks of carefully thinking through, and not just thinking through, but also executing ways in which to bring his supporters along on this journey to this moment where he suspends his campaign and says Biden's going to be the nominee. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, David. Uh, You know, I think that the campaign has known for quite a while that the race was effectively over, that they really didn't have a viable path to the nomination. And what the last maybe two, maybe even three weeks have been about is trying to figure out the best way to kind of uh, coalesce their support behind Joe Biden because I think they understand that that is not going to be an easy chore. And more than anything, people that uh, support progressive politics and to that extension support Bernie Sanders want to know that Bernie Sanders did everything he possibly could to get the progressive policy agenda uh, to the forefront. And if he just backed out after losing a round of primaries, uh, even if it looked like it was impossible for him to win, I don't think that would have been enough for them to rally behind Biden uh, based on uh, Sanders asking them to do so. So even now, even though he's out of the race, you know, he has said that he's going to remain on the ballot, that he's going to try and collect as many delegates as possible. He's demonstrating that the fight is not over and that he's going to do everything he possibly can to tether Joe Biden to the progressive wing of the Democratic Party 
so that when he gets into a general election, he doesn't moderate himself and then becomes a president that doesn't uh, address those needs. So I still think it's a big ask, you know, David, you know, just judging on social media, which I know is not necessarily a scientific uh, study of the way these things work. There's still a lot what are you of saying, Ryan, that Twitter, Twitter is not reality. Is that what you're saying? Twitter is not Twitter is not reality. Oh, okay. But, you know, I, I think that you can you you already see and, and, and you know, Twitter is one example, but there are also uh, quite a few prominent progressive groups, particularly progressive groups that represent millennial voters and Generation Z voters who are saying that, you know, it's not going to be enough for us that Bernie Sanders says that Joe Biden uh, should be the next president. We need to actually see him adopt some of these progressive policy positions. So this is still going to be some work for him. And I imagine it's going to be a tough ask, especially given the environment uh, with all of us dealing with the coronavirus. Well, it's that environment that I just want to ask you about, uh, Ryan. Did the current moment have any real impact in the decision making here? I, I mean, it just seems impossible to not appreciate that this campaign has been in the deep freezer so and that the country is going through a crisis right now. So did that weigh on Senator Sanders? I think it certainly did for two reasons. One, it didn't allow him this kind of big moment to end his campaign, right, where they have some sort of kind of a seminal end to it where they, he, you know, he outlines all the reasons that he got into the race, you know, what he sees with the progressive movement going forward, uh, you know, kind of this uh, rallying cry to the next stage of the progressive movement. That's the first thing. But then secondly, I do think that Sanders himself was consumed by his work in the United States Senate having to do with the coronavirus. He really stopped thinking about the campaign for at least a good two-week stretch there when he was working on the stimulus bill. You know, he's a part of Democratic leadership. He was offering up his own version of events as to how he thought that the Senate should conduct itself. And also it just was would come across as a little tone deaf, frankly, if you spent all your time talking about the presidential campaign when the rest of the world is singularly focused on this pandemic. So I, 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 the way you describe it, putting it on ice or freezing it, I think is a perfect way to describe it. It just made it impossible to get to this next stage. Uh, but I think they realized that they needed to kind of rip this Band-Aid off to get to the the next stage of the conversation uh, and do it soon. Arlette, I know the Biden campaign has obviously been preparing for the general election for weeks now. I mean, they're going to be that campaign is going to be the the Democratic uh, the campaign of the Democratic nominee. But I, I guess my question to you is, it was striking to me to see as little as Bernie Sanders had to uh, say about Joe Biden, and he preys on the Democratic nominee, the presumptive Democratic nominee. The reverse seems true for Biden, folks. Uh, Biden can't stop himself in the last couple hours from praising Bernie Sanders. Yeah, you know, you've really heard Joe Biden really over the course of the past few weeks uh, trying to extend these olive branches uh, to not just Bernie Sanders, but also his supporters. You know, in his statement today, he talked about what an important impact Bernie Sanders has had on American politics and the Democratic Party. Uh, as a whole. And he's really trying to uh, make sure that he can, you know, extend these olive branches, extend these uh, gestures of goodwill to try to bring some of Bernie Sanders uh, supporters into his corners. And that's one of the difficult tasks that Joe Biden is going to face uh, in the coming months 
trying to get the party to coalesce and unify uh, behind him. You know, you saw a little bit of this uh, around the Super Tuesday timeframe when a lot of the moderates in the Democratic uh, Party uh, coalesced around Biden. But now he has a lot of work to do when it comes to progressives. And, you know, last month we saw him uh, embrace Elizabeth Warren's bankruptcy bill. That was just one step that he was trying to take uh, to try to bring others in the party into his fold. And that's something that he and his team are going to have to focus on uh, in these coming uh, weeks and months. And, you know, in his statement, he uh, drew on a Bernie Sanders slogan saying, not me, us. And he really wants to make it clear to Sanders supporters that he's going to listen uh, to their ideas and their beliefs going forward. Arlette, how does the Biden campaign now wearing that mantle of presumptive Democratic nominee in a more official capacity since all the, you know, the final competition has suspended? How do they move to that in this time, given the fact that the campaign is frozen? Yeah, I mean, so far, we're just seeing Joe Biden live streaming from his basement, essentially. And so this is going to be a critical time uh, for his campaign and his advisors uh, to try to relay their message um, across all platforms that they have, which right now, just like all of us, I'm sitting at home, you're sitting at home, we're all in this virtual world talking and communicating with each other. And that's something that the Biden campaign is going to have to learn how to navigate. Um, And also one big thing going forward is uh, what's President Obama going to do? When is he going to come out and officially uh, endorse his former vice president? And I also think you cannot understate uh, the importance of this moment for Joe Biden, the candidate. This is his third run for the White House. Before 2020, he had never run, won a presidential primary or, or caucus state. Uh, he lost the first three. And then after that, it was uh, really the momentum that he needed to turn this race around. So for a man who has endured so much in his life, and uh, this is essentially the third times the charm for Joe Biden as he appears to be the presumptive Democratic nominee. Yeah, he just doesn't get the moment that otherwise might have been. I'm not saying it's necessarily detrimental, but it, it it is clearly, no doubt, a huge achievement in his life story, and yet it can't really be celebrated in the way that you might anticipate absent coronavirus it would have been. Ryan, when do you expect to see, even in this virtual universe Arlette describes, when do you expect to see Bernie Sanders appearing with Joe Biden and throwing his full support behind him and, you know, getting out there even, again, virtually in ways to help the Biden campaign effort? That's a great question. And I don't think they even know the answer to that yet. If you just go judging based on what Sanders said today in his remarks, he talked about, you know, remaining on the ballot, fighting for delegates all the way up to the convention. He talked about uh, the fact that they are going to try and have a voice in the platform committee. You know, I I think that there is uh, two things happening here, uh, David. I think, first of all, there is this, uh, you know, effort by uh, Biden and Sanders to kind of sit down and have a conversation about what to kind of olive branch that uh, Biden might extend from a policy perspective to progressive groups and to progressive uh, supporters. But I also think there's uh, just kind of a strategic the- theatrical uh, aspect to all of this, right? You know, when would be the best opportunity to get that big, huge uh, you know, first uh, picture of uh, Sanders and Biden together with their arms around each other, hands in the air, 
um, you know, they may want, you know, the Biden campaign may even want to hold off on that until there is that opportunity that you could have this big rally that brings in thousands of people and, and kind of coalesces all of that. So I think it's going to take some time. You know, there's no mystery here. You know, he said clearly in his comments today, even though he wasn't warm and fuzzy, which Bernie Sanders is really warm and fuzzy, but he was very clear in his uh, remarks today that he will support Joe Biden uh, as the Democratic nominee, which he has said from the very beginning. I think I think that they are all holding out for this big moment when they have the best opportunity to maximize that opportunity uh, to get the, the, the most attention uh, associated with it. Arlette, you mentioned the work that had been gone on adopting the uh, Warren bankruptcy plan, uh, courting Sanders and his supporters. But I'm curious in your reporting, how much do you think and maybe uh, maybe the answer is no, they, they're totally earnest about this. But how much do you think the Biden campaign is relying on the anti-Trump sentiment driving everything in the Democratic Party these days as the thing that is going to bring these folks aboard in November? Well, I think that that's something, a sentiment that you saw them really try to capitalize and play off of from the very start of Biden's campaign when he released that first video uh pointing back to the clashes in Charlottesville and painting this as a campaign for the battle of the soul of the country. From the very beginning, Joe Biden has tried to make this a campaign between himself and the president, trying to set him up as the moral and leadership contrast to President Trump's style. And I think that going forward, that, and we've seen it throughout the campaign, that is something that they have been banking on and relying on. And I don't think uh, that that's really going to change. They fundamentally feel that the country and that Americans want a different uh, voice, a different style of leadership in the White House, and that they believe that Biden is the best contrast to that. And that's something that they're going to keep coming to over and over uh, in these final months as we head into the general election. Ryan Nobles, uh, you have been following Bernie Sanders uh, just nonstop since the beginning. And just a closing thought from you. What does it feel like to see the campaign come to an end? Yeah, 16 months. I did the count, David. You first called me in December of 2018, I guess it was, to ask me if I wanted to cover the Sanders campaign. You know, uh, David, it has been such a roller coaster when you think about it. I mean, he started off uh, as the front runner before Joe Biden got into the race. He raised millions and millions of dollars, had kind of a swoon over the summer where it looked as though his campaign was sputtering and not going to get on track. David, I find it remarkable that we've had this whole conversation about Bernie Sanders' campaign, and this is the first time I'm going to mention that he had a heart attack. <laughs> which is still unbelievable to me. But that heart attack uh, turned out to be a, a turning point for the campaign. That's when he brought in the support of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. From there, it was all an upward swing leading into uh, the Iowa caucuses. Um, you know, I think the turnout numbers just weren't there in some of these early states. And that perhaps was our first indication that maybe this wasn't uh, the the kind of uh, progressive coalescing of the Democratic Party that we once thought it was going to be. But man, I think back to, and I'm going back through some old tweets right now to just uh, reminisce on this campaign. And I think about the night I spent with him in San Antonio, Texas, ironically, Arlette Sines' hometown, uh, where he had, where he had uh, just captured the Nevada uh, caucus with just monster numbers and thinking for the first time 
that perhaps I was covering the next nominee for the Democratic Party. Uh, and boy, <laughs> within about uh, a couple of days, that that quickly turned around. And there's going to be many stories written about what went wrong. But boy, I don't think we should forget that Bernie Sanders was extraordinarily close uh, to winning this Democratic nomination. And for somebody who, you know, five years ago was uh, virtually an unknown member of, of Congress of the United States Senate, uh, his climb was remarkable. And there's no doubt that he's had an indelible impact on uh, American politics going yeah, forward. Yeah, he certainly had it potentially within his grasp that night. Uh, I'm sure he thought you were covering the next Democratic nominee also that night. Uh, but, you know, he he never made the substantial inroads across the board with the African-American vote uh, that that Joe Biden had. And you can't win a Democratic nomination uh, without it. So any story that looks back on sort of what happened, uh, that will be uh, a key part of it, no doubt. Ryan, you've done a tremendous job uh, covering this race for us. I am sure Arlette is a little jealous of the rest you're going to get now uh, because uh, she gets none. <laughs> well, now I'll have to help Arlette. I'm going to join Arlette's team now. <laughs> Guys, thank Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks. Thanks, David. And a special thanks to our listeners as well. Remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight, so please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. While you're there, consider leaving a rating or a comment. It helps other people find the show. And if you want to tweet about this podcast, please do so using the hashtag TheDailyDC. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow.